Welcome to Nocturnal Journal. Thanks, Ro. That's a little tribute to uh, the late Dr. John, who passed away this week uh, at age 77 in New Orleans. I read he was living on Lake Pontchartrain. So thanks, Ro. That should be the, the name of our show, Right Place, Wrong Time. <laughs> so uh, we got a nice show tonight. Uh, in the 10 o'clock hour, we have live rock and roll from Ethel Shank, uh, live in our studio. They've got a full band tonight, so that'll be worth checking out. 9.30 to 10, we're going to talk to Larry Marion, director of the Bob Bonus Archive, and we're going to get a deep dig into the Rolling Stones at Chess, an exhibit that opened up this week at the Blues Heaven Foundation at 2120 uh, South Michigan, the old Chess Studios. And leading off the show is our dear friend Emmett Broderick of the Kane County Cougars. We were just talking. We've known each other for for. At least 20 years. Yeah. Disclaimer, I, I do a little baseball column for you. Yes, I've yeah. done. It's just a labor of love. Yeah, I just love doing it. It's a, a sense of loyalty. And I just I just so I want to set some light on the Cougars. Um, I want to set this up. I want you to talk about what the Cougars are about. But I remember when the – I covered the press conference when the Cougars were announced. And people talked about – right now I think the Chicago area is a mecca for minor league baseball. But back when the Cougars started, there was nothing around. And people said, hey, this isn't going to work. Yeah. Minor league baseball. So talk about a little bit of the history of, of the Cougars. Oh, my gosh. Uh, they, they come from uh, Wausau, Wisconsin. Uh, we started here in what, 91, and I started with the team in 99. And what was your role when you started? Uh, graphic design okay. and, and marketing. Okay. Yeah. So that was just when we started getting um, into the internet and things like that. There was no you know, podcast or anything like that. But you know, we've had some, you know, a, a, a lot of good players come through this this uh, organization. So well, yeah. Let's talk. Uh, I mean, let's talk about the affiliates. So yeah. uh, we were just doing this in the green room, but I know you. When I, Baltimore was the first one, yeah. then was Florida next. Florida, yep, and then Oakland, and then Kansas City, and then it was uh, the Cubs. The Cubs. And now right. it's Arizona. Now it's Arizona. Correct. And I do want to throw out some names of the people that uh, came through. But how, to tell the listeners who may not be familiar how an affiliate works. Oh well, we we go into a contract a player development contract with a major league baseball team uh we're we're the o- the only um affiliated baseball within the chicago area yeah um and uh it's i kind of look at it as as like baseball college you know we're at we're at the single a level but you you can go to obviously double a and triple a uh, uh and then you know on your way to the majors so, um, but the contract they can sign a minimum two-year contract. Some teams will sign four and six, depending on how the business is, and that's what it is. Really, it's the business of baseball, and you you have to you have to gel really well with the team. You know, you you have to with the front office it, it, and with the grounds crew and everybody involved with putting this product on the field. You really have to be, you know, in in sync with them and and, and cooperate. Give and take, all that stuff. It's it's just a, it's a really big business. Um, you know, when people you're in the Midwest League and people yes. think about teams in Cedar Rapids and Burlington, Iowa, and well, West Michigan's kind of a suburb of Grand Rapids. But yeah. what is a what does it mean to be so close to Chicago? Do affiliates look at that? Oh, they, I mean, they, you know, the Cubs did. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But there was, you know, South Bend is a is is as close. If not closer, but you know, um, again, it's um, it's how the how the teams like one another. It was nice that they they thought um, that 
we're, we're within 30, 35 miles of here, and if they wanted to come down and take a look at players, we were we were good a good spot for uh, rehab starts mm-hmm. for um, the major league team. Uh, we had a couple. Um, and yeah, it was. It's it's it seems that like a lot of teams are starting to um, put their affiliates within uh, a, a distance that they can get to uh, very easily these days. It seems that's what's going on. Off the top of my head, and then we talk. I mean, these are some of the players people would know that have come through King County: Josh Beckett, yeah, Javi Baez, yeah, Miguel Cabrera, yeah, yeah. Talk about Rick Renteria, oh. as long as we're a White Sox. I mean, yeah, yeah. Rick was there Rick with was the a, Marlins, right? Yes, yes. So talk about Rick. He was great. Yeah, I, I was telling you, he was the first Major League Baseball player I ever played catch with. Yeah. Um, he just, he was that nice that after a, after a, the season was over, he, you know, before he left, came down to the field and, you know, played catch with a, 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 a guy I used to work with. And myself, and that was it was really nice. He knew how to he knew how to handle this team really well. It must be. Uh, you've been, how long have you been over there then? Now? Twenty years. Twenty years even. Um, what's it like to see these young players? And some get bonuses, and some, yeah. are, but they're at a certain stage of humility. There is a low have, yeah. have and have not. Yeah. <laughs> With that, um, I remember Miguel Cabrera coming through. Couldn't speak a word of English, and um, skinniest kid. Yeah. In the world, and but the, he had the right attitude. He just wanted to play baseball. He was happy every time he went on the field. Just kind of like Adrian Gonzalez was the same oh, yeah. way. Yeah. Um, a real, real humble kid, and just you knew, you just knew this kid was going to be a major league baseball player. So, what what changes have you seen? Um, I was telling you, I went over to Clinton and I was talking to them, and you know they've got a very small facility. It's nineteen, I think the stadium was built in nineteen thirty seven, but they were talking about even like five years ago. You mentioned the reason I asked this question. You were talking about Cabrera and being skinny. They talk about like dietary and dietitians and stuff. That's like a big deal now, and they have to have a big kitchen and stuff like that. What are the changes you've seen in twenty years? Well, uh, like I mentioned, um, having a. a I think it was it. Be, it would be considered a psychiatric coach. Yeah. Um, to see how the players are handling, you know, when players come up from uh, the Latin players come up, it, it's 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 pretty brave to be able to come up and not know the language or the cultures around here, and they they want to make sure that they're they're handling it okay. Um, that they're, you know, um, they're uh, just being able to uh, handle day-to-day uh, things. Yeah, right. Yeah, doing right. laundry yeah. and, and just living. So, Do all the players uh, talk about the sponsorship program with families in the area? Do, yeah. Unless they're like getting big bonuses, I suppose they live on their own. But yeah. do players live with, with families, they and do. do they help out and stuff like that? Yeah, they do. They, if we, we have that uh, event every year before the season starts. It's almost kind of like you would liken it to a, 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 a five-minute dating game. You know, We'll have all the, the people who are part of the um, – the housing program come in and meet the players and and just kind of see how they gel okay we're going to take a break and then i want to come back and talk about uh, maybe this was destiny for you with your (laughs) your family history in baseball so don't go away with emmett broderick of the king county cougars on nocturnal journal the umpire the umpire the guy who calls every play we ain't got no use for the umpire unless he calls them our way 
what a strike that just misses my hat. And that's how I know that he's blind as a bat. <laughs> Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal on WGN. Well, you'll only hear The Umpire by Mitch Miller. Did you know that song, Emmett? I did not. It's Mitch Miller with a guest appearance uh, by the late, well, they're both uh, with Roy Campanella. And we're playing that because talk about uh, your grandfather, Red. And oh. I think this is all, um, that's another reason I wanted to have you on the show, is this This has to be in your blood, baseball. Yeah. I mean, what do you, I, you've, you and I have talked about him, but but talk about him, uh, the stuff I don't know. Uh, well, let's see. He, he uh, was an American League umpire back in the, uh, between 1923 and 1941. Um, made his way up through the minor leagues as far as um, umpires are concerned. Um, his first real test in, in World Series, he was in the 1927 World Series with Murderer's Row and Babe Ruth. And he knew, you know, uh, Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb. His, my uncle, Ban, God rest his soul, he was, he was named after Ban Johnson, who was the, uh, the, the American League president at the time. And was your uncle, was your grandfather, was he from Wisconsin? No, no, no. no. He, he broke in there then. He did. Yeah. He did. He was, he, he, he was a pitcher um, in the early 1900s. Um, played in Green Bay, played in the Three I League uh, for a while, and then went off to World War One. Um, he was a grenadier in World War One. So, um, but then he came back. He was wounded in war, right. and his pitching days were over. So, um, he decided to become an umpire. So, World Series up in twenty seven. I've got here twenty seven, thirty three, thirty seven, and forty one. Correct. Yeah. And, and it's Red Ormsby, but was his birth name Emmett? First name was Emmett. Is that how I was named after? That's yeah. how how you were named. You bet. So was this always was this going to happen? I mean, when you were a little kid, were you interested in baseball? I mean, oh was it, sure, yeah, oh yeah. Uh, you know what? Unfortunately, a grandpa passed away a month after I was born. At least he 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 met me, but I don't remember meeting him. Obviously, so um, uh, yeah, it, it, we we grew up playing baseball. Um, always, uh, grandpa's name was in the background everywhere we went. My mother was so proud of him. My mother's so funny. She wanted to play baseball, but. Um, Grandpa yeah. said, uh, girls don't play baseball, and you could tell that was the time back then. He must have been something. You sent me this article. I don't know when this uh, Red Ormsby tells anecdotes of his major yeah. league career. Uh, you, I don't think you could write like this. To, I don't know how old this article is. But Probably the 30s. What's it, the 1930s, because yeah. it says balding, but still with a tinge of red to his <laughs> remaining hair. Yeah. Ormsby proved a masterful speaker in the best manner of the late Newt Rockney. So yeah. he was a gregarious guy. After after he got after he retired from umpiring, he he was a scout for the White Sox for, oh, for was some he? years. Um, and then he after that, he went on the Speakers Bureau um, and, and did you know speaking engagements all over the place. So all over the country, actually. So he, he, as far away as Alaska, which is pretty funny. But he, he would tell stories about Ty Cobb and, and, and his days with Babe Ruth and such. So, yeah. So um, baseball's in your blood. I want to paint a picture for the readers. And I go to King County Cougars game, and I, I watch you. Tell me what an average day is like. You're more than a graphic designer. Yeah, I yeah. mean, did you, did you do, do you do the logos? Have yes. You, you've done the logos yeah. for the Cougars? A lot of the things that around the ballpark are are done um, through my, my myself, uh, uniforms, programs. You know, obviously, the, the, the articles that you submit and everything. So, um, but, yeah, it's, it's a... Um, uh, you know, you get get there in the morning, and if we have a game, we're there for the game at night. And so summers are yeah. So are when you get busy. there, what do you do when you get there? In the, I, I, you say in the morning. How early do you get there? Like say it's a night game. Oh, about nine thirty, ten o'clock in the morning. Yes, for a night game. Yes. Wow. So yeah, and then 
you know, I, I do my day job. Uh, we promote the the, the, the the ball club and and the upcoming events and such. And then when the when the, the, the stadium starts coming alive around th- uh, four or five o'clock, you know the. Um, Game day staff comes in, ushers, all the parking attendants and such. So um, after that, you know, I help out with on-field events uh, as much as I can and get up and down the stairs and, and anything else that needs to be handled. You know, uh, we had a, uh, a military appreciation night the other night on June 6th, and I had eight World War II veterans out on the field, which... You know they're yeah. all '90s, so we had to drive them around from from center field and get them out on the field, and it was just amazing. But yeah, those are things that just are part of the day. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now that I'm thinking about it. You've had some notables. Uh, t- I like a little trivia like this. I didn't. <laughs> this isn't on my list of qu- questions. Who was the shortstop where uh, the rock star was uh, related? Was it? Uh, wasn't Steve oh Tyler? Uh, Rex Rundgren? Rex Rundgren. Yeah, yeah. And his, his his father was Todd Rundgren. Is Rod, did he come to the game? Oh, all the time. Todd Rundgren came to a lot of he games. Did, it's funny. <laughs> Todd uh, um, got to the point where he he did his walk up music. Oh, really? He he went into a studio somewhere and did a. Little, oh, Rex did or Todd? Todd did oh really he he, he recorded well, he played a, a, rock up well, walk up music for rex exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was there almost every game i didn't know that yeah yeah, yeah. Dude, was gretzky there he was i want to say i saw wayne gretzky there one year he was he he didn't last very long uh, but did his father come yeah yeah, yeah. I, I remember that i was at that game I i'll think. tell you wayne gretzky the one time that i thought to myself you know i i don't want to be one of those kind of people that just you know go up and ask for an autograph but Wayne Gretzky was one of the guys that I that got me to play hockey because I grew up playing hockey too, and I missed out because he never came back. Yeah, so right. I missed out on, on at least just saying hi to him, you know. So oh well, you know I I've got a story. Um, I don't I don't like to talk about myself on the show, but <laughs> since you're here, a couple summers ago I went to Montreal. Yeah, and I saw and then I took a, a rented a car and went to see the Can Am League. Oh yeah, and Gretzky's son was playing yes. there. Can Am League. That's really like they, again they played in an old stadium and yeah. stuff, and and Wayne Gretzky was there for that yeah. game. Yeah, and I forgot Gretzky's son thing, but he had a home run in that game. So boy, I but, can't remember his name either. Yeah. So talk about some of the uh, events you've got coming up, and I really want to. I'm going to be there Thursday night as Anchorman That's night. Right. <laughs> so talk about Anchorman night. Well, we've got um, we're giving away a bobblehead that night, uh, a rod, a burgundy um, a bobblehead that night. So. Um, That'll be a, an interesting crowd that will come through there. So, I mean, Are you going to have any anchormen throw out the first pitcher? Or no. We, Bill Curtis must be busy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we can get you out yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We know you can yeah. make it to the to the plate. Yeah, right. I've done, it, yeah. You've done that once before. Yeah. So. so that's anchorman night. Yep. We have uh, Ninja Turtles night. As a matter of fact, this weekend is is going to be pretty um, pretty busy. Ninja Turtles night on, on uh, um, Friday and then Carnival night on Saturday. With our first concert uh, is going to be American English. Okay. So, yeah, that'll be fun. And uh, it's in Geneva. Give us a website and how people can find out more. KCCougars.com. The phone number is 630-232-8811. I almost gave you my my cell phone number, which was funny. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, we're we're home starting Tuesday and going through the the end of the week. It's just beautiful. Over the years, I've sent people out. I mean, both Geneva and St. Charles are great towns to hang out in. Oh, yeah. I've sent my friends from the city. If you can pick a weekend on the first weekend of the year, then you can parlay a, a King County Cougar game with the King County Flea Market. Yeah. And it's really it's 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 really a, a great escape from yeah. the Chicago area. You mentioned um 
the armed forces. And I want to talk about uh, in a little bit of the time we have left. Okay. Uh, you, you're so busy with the ballpark, but then you find all this time to volunteer. And I don't know if that also comes from your grandfather, but the Lone Survivor Foundation, Navy SEALs Fund. Talk yeah. about your commitment to the armed forces. Well, um, we've... At the ballpark, we've had we have the hometown hero, uh-huh. uh, um, where we honor someone. Um, most games that we can get somebody to come out um, and just ha- and and I've met some historic people, um, and that that made an inf- impact on me. So I started um, kind of doing some research and and trying to figure out a, a way that I can give back in a way that I know that I can do it the best I know how. So that being graphic design and art. So I would contact some of these places and say, look, I'm, I'm offering you my services as a graphic designer. And um, it, you don't have to, I'm not asking for money, I just want to give back. And I've been with the Navy SEALs Fund and the Lone Survivor Foundation, the Chris Kyle Founda- uh, Frog Foundation. Right. Um, and I've got two other ones that I'm, that I'm working with as well. Um, just offering you know, marketing uh, designs um, when they have events, special events, brochures, and things that help um, them uh, make aware to people, to veterans and first responders, that they're there for them to help. So I'll I'll put together all kinds of of um, things for them. So that's so great for you. It's it's been great. I told you it was going to run fast. We we'll have to bring you back and talk about Disney. We'll do yes. a Disney round. Yeah. Table. One more thing, and then we'll let you run. Sure. Talk about the. I didn't know this. Talk about the All Star Game. You're yeah. affiliated with the Diamondbacks this year. Yep. Yep. So who are the two of the All Stars? I, oh. I, I don't know the Don Money connection. You're right. <laughs> Buddy Kennedy is is the grandson of Don Money. And then we've got a kid named Alec Thomas who uh, went to school at Mount Carmel. Yeah, I've seen him. So play. Yeah, yeah, they're two of the, the two of our, our Midwest League All Stars this year. Well, thanks so much for coming down oh, on a busy, a busy Saturday night, and uh, I'll be there Thursday for Anchorman Night. Yes, I'll be there nice and early. Thanks, my friend. Okay, thanks, Emmett Broderick of the Kane County Cougars. One more time, the website kccougars.com. Okay, thanks a lot, and we're going to be back and talk about the Rolling Stones after this on WGN. Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal. I'm Dave Hoekstra, and we're in the studio. I'm really excited about this. Uh, Larry Marion, director and curator of the Bob Bonus Archive. Um, we touched on this, I think it was last week, right, Ro, when we had the, uh, the chess people in. But I went and saw this exhibit that opened the 5th, right? Yep. At, uh, it's called this. The Rolling Stones at Chess. It's at the Blues Heaven Foundation slash um, Chess Studios 2120, South Michigan. We heard a little 2120, the Stones doing that. There. And it's 55 photos from chess from the first session that the stones did there and then five from the palmer house so larry pick up the story how'd you get these photos okay um my background is in rock and roll and entertainment memorabilia and i was running an auction house in new york city and dealing with acquisitions and a gentleman called and said, I have some memorabilia I'd like you to appraise and maybe sell for me. I saw you set all kinds of world record prices for Beatles memorabilia. And I said, sure, tell me about it. And he said, well, my dad was both the Beatles and the Rolling Stones U.S. tour manager from 1964 through 1966. And this was Bob's son. This was Bob's son, Alex. Dad, Bob passed away in 92. Bob passed away in 92, okay. correct. And so, Okay, so who was Bob? Bob was, he started his career as a booking agent um, and, then, and, and then opened his own management agency, Bob Bonus Management. 
and he started out uh, managing jazz acts because that that was really his thing. And in New York in the late 50s, early 60s, all the jazz clubs were pretty much run by mobsters. Mm -hmm. And Bob, six foot two, 200 pounds, got a reputation for standing up to anybody. So when the Stones were ready to come to America, the agency that was booking them, General Artists uh, uh, Corporation, a gentleman named Norman Weiss was the agent responsible and the Rolling Stones had worked really hard to have a terrible reputation and it preceded them before they came here and Norman was like, who am I going to get to, to play tour manager? And he immediately thought of Bob and uh, convinced Bob to take the job. Bob met them and thought they were delightful and wonderful and easy to work with and Bob got them pretty much everywhere they needed to go on time, which was unheard of back in England. <laughs> and they had a reporter from Melody Maker, a British uh, weekly paper, yeah. um, on them on the, with them on that first tour. And word spread that Bob got them you know, to the Mike Douglas show at 7 o'clock in the morning without a problem. So when the Beatles were ready to do their first real tour, um, they asked Stone's management, who should we get as... Uh, tour manager and they gave bob a hearty recommendation so he ended up being tour manager for both the beatles and the rolling stones so um this was the the they first visited chess in june 10th june june 10th 1964 correct um they weren't as well known as the beatles right no, I, I talked to the Palmer House a couple of weeks ago, right. and they, you know, they were really—they had no photos. I guess the only photos are the ones you have. Yeah. Um, so talk about them being under the radar in '64, coming to the well. States. Unlike the Beatles, um, you know, Brian Epstein wouldn't bring the Beatles to America until they had a number one hit. Uh-huh. Um, Andrew Oldham, the Rolling Stones manager, was a uh, a little bit more reckless and prog- and progressive and aggressive about it. And they came to America June 1st, 1964, just two weeks after their first album had come out. And to most of America, no one knew who they were. Um, New York, Los Angeles knew who they were, and those shows sold out. You know, two shows at Carnegie Hall, show at uh, Swing Auditorium in San Bernardino sold right out. But almost the entire rest of America had no idea who they were. So they would play in like... 1500 seaters and two or 300 people would show up uh their second and third shows in america were at the uh teen fair of texas yeah right. in san antonio um where they shared the bill with a couple of you know good country stars uh george jones uh bobby v's band which included bobby keys yeah that's, that's where great, they that's a great that's exactly where Is they that the met first him. time they met Keys. that's where they met of course went on to yeah, that's where they met him, and he went on to yeah. play on every album yeah. until he, he passed away. He became a good away. friend of Keith Richards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, Texas didn't receive them very well. You know, they were called names and harassed as, you know, long hair, dirty, all that all that stuff from that era. Um, and they were kind of depressed. And Andrew Oldham again said, you know, I can't have my band going on tour, you know, being upset. So what would excite them? Recording at Chess. But uh, Chess at the time only allowed uh, people who were on Chess Records to record there. Mm-hmm. So uh, Andrew, El- Andrew Oldham reached out to uh, Phil Spector yeah. and said, can you help me? And Phil arranged the booking. So they flew from San Antonio up to Chicago. And the exhibit has, I mean, I, I did walk through it. You've got the original brand. I wrote here, Braniff Airline tickets. Yep, exactly. Yeah, exactly. 
So amongst Bob's paperwork from his files and things that we held on to uh, were the original tickets for their flight from San Antonio up to up to Chicago. It's interesting when you when, when you try to research this stuff. It says they came in through Dallas, but it's not the case. I have the you know yeah the plane tickets are actually there. Um, the pictures, I mean, they just um, some just stick out in my mind. Talk about, and this is radio, so people have to go see the exhibit. But the ones of the Palmer House of Jagger, you were telling me he was watching. Was it the Red Skelton Hour? There's two. There's two shots. There's, yeah, exactly. He's watching it. There's one pretending like he's asleep. It just, you know, it's, it's, it's. I like the humanity and and just the. the That's really a remarkable and, yeah, photo. Right. Yeah, yeah. Talk a little about so, that. And so they they actually recorded a chess on three separate occasions, June 10th and 11th. Then they came back in November and recorded there again on November 8th. Uh Um, But they used Chicago kind of as a hub to play all of the local Ohio, Detroit, all of the cities that they played around here. But they stayed at the Palmer House on that second tour in November. Um, Just before they had come to America, they filmed a segment for the Red Skelton Hour, a variety show like the Ed Sullivan Show. Uh, But when it first first aired in America... Um, they weren't able to see it because it only aired in America. But it, it just so turns out that uh, on November 10th, while they were at the Palmer House, the Red Skelton Hour was rebroadcast. And Bob was there in the hotel room when Mick is laying on this couch with an issue of Harper's Magazine yeah, sitting next it. to him um, and gets to watch the Rolling Stones perform, which was filmed at the London Palladium, the stairs of the London Palladium. How much research? Uh, we played 2120 there at the beginning, and we and you made the deduction that since that one picture, we're going to run this picture on the Nocturnal Journal Facebook page. Which I don't plug enough, but uh, since Jagger wasn't in that picture, you figured that was the twenty-one twenty yeah. being an instrumental. There, there are several pictures that Bob took from the control room, looking out into the studio as they're actually recording. And this one picture in particular shows the entire band performing. They recorded live. That's that's how they recorded at the time, uh-huh. and and mix not singing in this particular one. So I'm deducing that that's when they were recording 2120 South Michigan Avenue, the instrumental that they recorded that day and named after the after the address. Is there camp aware? Is, is there camp aware of this? I mean, are the Stones aware of this? Is there are their management aware of these photos? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, in, Have they seen them? Uh, they haven't seen most of the ones that are on display here. Uh-huh. Um, I put out a book called The Lost Rolling Stones Photos, uh, the Bob Bonus Archive, 1964 to 1966, uh, from HarperCollins several years back. And there's uh, 15 or 20 of the photos from the chess sessions mixed throughout that book in various different sessions. Um, but for this, because uh, because uh, June, t- June 10th is the 55th anniversary we prepared all the rest of the photos. So there's 55 photos of them from Chess, and most of them have never been seen by anyone. Have you shown them anywhere else? Is it, no, this like, is the world premiere exhibit is, of them. And give me, do you know what, what are the hours? I don't even have that. The hours that people can go to Chess and see them? Or what? give me a website where... Uh, BluesHeavenFoundation.com yeah. Yeah. Uh, is, is, is their website. Um, and they're generally open... Uh, Tuesday through Saturday, I th- believe from noon to four or noon to right, five. Right, that's about right. And um, they do hourly guided tours. That's true. And part of the tour is you get to 
see the exhibit. It really is great. I mean, I, I took all those notes. I like the itinerary. We were looking at that itinerary. It was a tour itinerary, right, of August yeah. 13th. Yeah, there's and, actually three different... Oh, no, that was the, the uh, Frank Fried, who I knew. He did a little festival. A second annual Summer of Stars, Chicago 66. And it was a list of these different concerts, right? And you right, had, so I brought along a bunch of memorabilia. Yeah, you had Bill Cosby and Chad Mitchell, mm-hmm. Staple Singers Folk Festival on July 13th. Yeah. Yep. Folk back then. Exactly. Uh, 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 an appearance by the Beatles and an appearance by the Rolling Stones on that particular handbill. <laughs> It's 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 really now you're selling some stuff. Talk about the commemorative posters, which are really really handsome, and a proceed a portion of the proceeds of these sales. And talk about how they're cut and stuff benefit the foundation's goal of restoring the chess facility to a working so, recording studio. Right. So one of the big purposes of this exhibition is to raise fu- raise funds for the Blues Heaven Found- for Willie Dixon's Blues Heaven Foundation to restore the facility into a working studio. Which is so important. Uh, so w- w- what I did was I took uh, an image of the original Rolling Stones 1964 tour poster and redid it in that, in that style um, to create the exhibition poster. And it's printed uh, by a letterpress printer in Muncie, Indiana, Tribune sh- uh, show, show poster. Oh, right, right, in the neighborhood. Yeah. Muncie, yeah. And uh, they're one of two or three letterpress uh, printing houses still surviving in America, um, and they did a, a wonderful, wonderful job of printing this. Um, it's a it's a, a it's small limited, limited run, right, right. Um, and the posters are for sale at Blues Heaven Foundation, and also at a website that we set up, BobBonusChess.com, and bonus is B-O-N-I-S. I, I highly recommend those. Very, very nice. Okay, we're going to take back, uh, take a break, and I want to get a little bit you know, into more of your background and talk a little bit more about the sessions. This is great stuff. Thank you. So don't go away on Nocturnal Journal on WGN. Because I used to love the- We just play that stuff all night, right, Ro? <laughs> just kick back. It's great stuff. Larry Marion, uh, director and curator of the Bob Bonus Archive. It's a wonderful, wonderful exhibit. you got to go see it. It opened June June 5th, and it's the Rolling Stones at Chess at the, at the Blues Heaven Foundation. 55 photos from them. their first coming to Chicago in, uh, of that Chess, and five from the Palmer House. But tell me about when they recorded that song. That was in the first round, right? That was in, in the first round, yeah, on June 10th. They... Re- they- did sessions on the both the tenth and the eleventh, and recorded quite a number of songs. Um, but that song, um, Murray, it's all Murray over the, the K now. told him. Murray the K turned yeah, them on. It was the Valentino's version, exactly. Yeah. Um, they had uh, visited Murray the K on WINS in New York, and Murray pulled uh, Andrew Oldham aside and said, "They should record this. This song's going to be a big hit." And when they came to Chess, just about a, a week and a half later. That was one of the songs that they cut, and it became their first UK number one. Yeah, yeah. Great Bobby Womack song. Great Bobby Womack song. I was telling you during the break, I interviewed Womack a couple times, and he, he was a very cantankerous guy. And some of the stories I read was that he didn't want the Stones to record it, mm-hmm. but uh, Sam Cooke told, yeah. him, told him. That's to what I've green heard. Light, green light it, yeah. Greenlit it and stuff. Um, 
What was it like for you the first time you you came into the studio? And again, you know, I mean, there's myths about when the Stones came in there, Muddy was, and we've had Marshall Chess on the show, right? And you know, Muddy was painting the ceiling and stuff. But what was it like for you, just emotionally, to walk in there for the very first time? You said the very first time was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so I've how, been to Chicago before. Yeah. How did that feel for you? Because uh, it's 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 kind of well preserved there. It's inc- it's an incredible experience. Yeah. Um, you feel it as you feel the presence of of the history as soon as you walk in and when you go upstairs to the studio they give a wonderful guided tour mm-hmm. um and towards the end of the tour they take you up into the studio and you sit in these chairs while they play pieces of recordings of some of the classics that were recorded there unbelievable and it sends chills up and down your yeah, spine yeah it's highly it's really unbelievable um, in his biography, you know, Keith Richards called called Chess Hallowed Ground and a, the is. perfect recording studio. Yeah, it they is. did that stuff with the echoes, and it was just really, really. Yeah, the gentleman who d- who designed it, I can't recall his was name. Ron? Right now. Was it Ron? Was it Ron No, he was, the, he was engineer, the engineer. Yeah, and it was it, it was really really special for them because the studios in the UK where they had recorded couldn't really capture the sound that they that they produced when they were on stage, and they went to Chess and they told Ron what they were looking for, and he instantly got it. And they were just in awe of how spectacular their sound was. All of a sudden, the sound they had been trying to capture on record, Ron was able to capture. This was... um for the listeners who don't know, talk about this. This was a big deal for them. I mean, it's the story about them meeting and carrying around chess records in London and stuff. Talk about yeah. how, this, how important for them to visit this hollow ground. Chess is the spark that possibly created the Rolling Stones. Yeah. I don't know that there would be a Rolling Stones without chess. Um, Mick and Keith were childhood friends, grew up in the same town, went to school together, and kind of started to travel in different circles, even though they still lived close to each other. And then just by chance, I think the date was October 17th, 1961, they ran into each other on the Dartford train platform uh, while both heading to different schools that they had na- that they now went to. And Keith had a guitar with him, and Keith was a up-and-coming guitar player learning his trade and a a huge Chuck Berry fan and Mick was standing there with two albums under his arm and Keith said uh, what are that what's that and Mick showed him and he had a Muddy Waters album and a Chuck Berry album and Keith said wow where did you get those I've never seen those before and Mick said I mail ordered them from Chess Records in Chicago they weren't because they weren't available in the UK at the time and they got on the train together and they chatted the whole way and that conversation that incident that meeting that chance meeting led to them getting together and starting to play and they formed uh, little boy blue and the blue boys yeah. and then sometime later when Brian Jones decided he was ready to form a band and put an ad in the jazz collector magazine um, he got introduced to Mick and Keith and they decided to, to to move forward and form the Rolling Stones. Do you have an aha photo? I mean, a photo that really that you really like or really made an impression on you or didn't know anything about and you just wanted to... Uh, give me a couple of your favorite photos. Are they well, all like your kids? <laughs> there's, yeah, there's, there's just so many that, that just blow me away. But that particular one of Mick laying on the couch watching yeah. them on watching them perform it's actually a series of two photos yeah right um the first one Mick is watching the TV and it's a and it's a great you know 60s era television set that he's watching with the antennas yeah it is. and 
all of the stones are on the screen in this particular photo, and Mick has just a priceless expression on his face. And then the second photo in the in the series, Mick is front and center. He's in, in, in fact, his face is the only thing on the screen, and Mick lays his head down as if he's like pretending to sleep. That's great. It's really it's really a precious. You moment. mentioned when I saw the other day that um, you think maybe Charlie had a, a affinity a connection with Bob because they were both jazz fans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, Charlie always loved jazz. And that was where Bob came from was from was from the jazz world, so when they first met they they were the first two to really bond and Bob took Charlie around and introduced him to a, a whole mess of uh of Charlie's heroes at the time. What'd you learn about Brian Jones? I mean some of the stories I've read about chess is he was he was such a blues guy I mean he was such a fan was he really all in on this oh yeah absolutely. i don't know I don't know much about his role with chess. absolutely brian um uh, Brian was the impetus for, yeah, for right. this for this whole thing. Brian was a, a, a blues aficionado, um, loved uh, Elmore James. In fact, he played under the name Elmo Lewis um, in, tri- in tribute to him. Uh, Brian is considered to be the first slide guitar, first blues slide guitar player in the UK, um, and really, really drove them yeah. to be a blues band. Um, and they played in, you know, in ja- they played in jazz clubs in in London at the time, in and around London. Um, and people didn't at first really know what to make of it, but uh, but the fans thought it's really catch on. The time is so right for this. Um, I mean, look at the success the Stones have had with these blues albums. Well, they put <laughs> out Blue and Lonesome, yeah, right. which was their you know their their, their first real blues endeavor in a long time. Yeah. So and they and, that did well well for them. And they said that they felt the presence of Brian Jones when they were in the studio recording that. Yeah, and then wonderful this, record. This will this show will still be up when they're in town, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, the, the, sh- the, the 21st show first and the twenty fifth. Right, the show runs through the 29th and they're playing the twenty first and yeah. the twenty fifth. So it's it's a lot of stuff coming together for you. Yeah. What um, in a little bit of time uh, we have left? Um, how long have you been doing this overall? So my background, as I I think I said, was yeah. in rock and roll and entertainment memorabilia. Um, I was the kid that during when I went to a concert, I would find a moment to sneak away and see if I could pry that poster out of the lobby uh, lobby frame yeah. or get a set list or a drumstick or something. And, uh, you know, I really had an, a, a love of both music and art. And for me, concert posters is kind of where those two things met. So I became uh, a fanatic, kind of obsessive uh, po- collector of concert posters. And we've got about two minutes, but um, uh, real quick, I mean, research. I mean, how do you verify fact fiction? It's uh, an archaeological dig, yeah, really. Right. Um, you know, some of this stuff is just like combing through thousands and thousands of photos to find something in the background um, that tells me what it is. You know, Bob wasn't a working photographer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he took the pictures because he had a, a love of photography and a, a Leica M- M3, the best camera you could have at the time, and just took it with him and took pictures because he had uh, this access that no one else in the world did. But because he wasn't a working photographer, he didn't leave any notes so a couple of the contact sheets have like notes scribbled on the back of it. There's one from like RCA Studios in Los Angeles on the back of it. It says "Get off my cloud." So I knew that, but most of the most of this was uh, months and even years of trying to figure things out. In fact, there's two photos that are up at that that are up at Blues Heaven Foundation, where uh, Ian Stewart is at a keyboard. And there's a beautiful long-haired blonde woman oh, yeah, sitting on the bench about, next yeah. to him, and I still haven't been Nobody able to figure out who, who she is. So if you're listening tonight, beautiful long-haired woman, <laughs> that's right, absolutely. Get a hold of, get a hold of it. Well, thank you so much. I can't. Uh, 
recommend this highly enough. It's the Rolling Stones at Chess in Chicago. It's at the Blue Seven Foundation in association with the Bob Bonus Museum, yep. Miami, and Gallery Schuster in Berlin. And yep. um, and that's at 2120, of course, South Michigan. Give me the website again. How people can- Bob Bonus Chess, B-O-B-B-O-N-I-S-C-H-E-S-S.com. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks for coming. Dave, it was really good to see you the it. other day, and uh, yep. safe travels. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks. Uh, we'll be back with some live music. Track. We got a treat for WGN. you in the Allstate Skyline Studio. Maybe the loudest band we've had in the studio. <laughs> ben, are you there? I'm here. Can you? Okay, I'm going to tune you up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> ben Russell, you've been on the show before. We talked about the band. The band is called Ethel Shank. Yes, sir. Uh, talk about the band name before we. I want people to know what we're talking about. <laughs> So we actually talked about if we were going to get asked this question, what our answer was going to be, and we never came with a consensus. There's no so reason this band is named uh, this. <laughs> it's just, it just is Ethel Shank. We are Ethel Shank. That's all. It's always there's been. nobody you knew out in the western suburbs. Named Not Ethel a Shank? single person. I don't know any Ethels. Not one. <laughs> we're going to make up a crazy story about it, but we wanted to be honest with the people. <laughs> and we also didn't up with the story. Ben, you've been on the show before, so thanks for coming back. Absolutely. Very, Thank you for very, having me. Very brave of you to come back to <laughs> do the show again. So um, introduce everybody in the band and then talk, tell us what the first song is going to be. Absolutely. So on keyboards and aux percussion, we have... Uh, my name is Trevor Smith. Okay. On the bass, we've got... Sean Swanson. Sean Swanson on lead guitar, backing vocals. Dominic LaCalameda. And on drums, we've got... Ryan Gowdy. Ryan Gowdy. Ryan Gowdy on drums. And what's the first song you're going to do? First song we're going to do is a song called Down South. It was off our last EP called Rumble, Young Man, Rumble. It came out, like, last summer. Uh, yeah. And before you start, I mean, you guys are no small. We're very honored to have you. you got a little tour coming up. You're going to be in Milwaukee on the 21st, the Cubby Bear on June 29th. Yes. I want to talk about Iowa City. I love Iowa City. Gabe's on June 23rd. Yes, our boy Trev is from Iowa City. He I want to talk to him about George's buffet in a, uh, a little bit. But um, it's So we're really lucky to have you guys. So uh, let's hear the song. All right. Okay.
Is Ethel Shank on WGN out of the uh, Allstate Skyline studio. So talk about um, how, the, how, how, how did the band get together? And then I want to get into all your your, your musical backgrounds, what you're doing now. But Well, it started a while back um, about, I think we played our first show October of 2017. That's Ben talking there. Yeah. Yeah. So it was started as kind of a project where I was just recording some stuff. And I have played with Dominic and Ryan for so many years. I knew I wanted them in on this. So they... Yeah, I mean, uh, me and Ben have been friends since uh, sixth grade. We were always throwing together little musical projects and stuff. And uh, Ryan didn't come shortly after. And uh, so it was, it was pretty natural and expected that we were going to be doing this. Yeah, Dom- so it was cool. Dominic and I have been, you know, also jamming together a long time and then when I came in on this project it all just kind of meshed together really well. And, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, and you know, Trevor and Sean were in a band together for a while and so after a couple lineup switches it was just like, well, we need a bassist, and we really love to get some keys on this. And we that's what so always happens. Yeah, that's how it goes. It's worked out really well. Okay, I got. We got to take a break, and we're going to come back and uh, talk some more, and hear some more music. So don't go away on Nocturnal Journal on WGN. So we're back with Ethel Shank. How you guys doing over there? Fantastic. This is great. You you're having good? fun? Yeah. Um, I want to talk about uh, your, what you're doing at school, but uh, before we do that, talk about where people can see you. Um, the, I, I touched on some of these dates, but talk about some of your upcoming appearances. All right. So we are going on a North American tour. Uh, we're hitting 14 cities, Detroit, Milwaukee, Minneapolis, Iowa City, uh, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Nashville, Louisville, Chicago, Pittsburgh, New York, Ottawa, uh, Toronto, and then London, Ontario. And how are you how you getting around? You got a van? Need a minivan. Minivan? <laughs> Who, who's driving? Who's the driver? Uh, we, we're taking turns. You take yeah. turns. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <take> brutal. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you've opened for uh, 
you open for local H? <laughs> or not? So <laughs> we didn't know. Uh, we, well, Ben, you told me that, Ben. When did I tell you that? Yeah, through an email. Was that way back? <laughs> yeah, there it, was supposed to be. Okay, or, yeah, but, yeah that got, we got. We shouldn't talk about. What it. about White Mystery? That we did do. What was that like? <laughs> that was awesome. That was a, at the Cubby Bear. It sold really well. It was a good show. Yeah, and we had a lo- Chicago local touched by Ghoul on that show too. Yeah, they opened up for Foo oh, yeah. Fighters. Yeah, they did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Really yeah, dope. that was fun. And uh, I mean, do you commiserate with you? I mean, I know the folks in White Mystery. Is you know, do you learn stuff? Do they talk to you about stuff? Uh, do you network <laughs> with them? We would have loved to, but at Cubby Bear, it's twenty-one and up, and none of us are over twenty-one, so we're only allowed in the venue when we're playing. We load in. We oh, play, isn't that and something? Kick us out. Yeah. Wow! So isn't, it's a really cool experience to play, but there's a not not a lot of network that happens. What wow. else is a really cool experience? Is spending three and a half hours <laughs> at McDonald's before the show. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you're going to play your new single here? Talk about that. So we did kind of a reimagination of 2011's Sweater Weather by The Neighborhood, kind of made it our own, uh, and it dropped just yesterday. So check it out just on all platforms. Yeah, how do you, how do you find it? Uh, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Deezer, Tidal, whatever you listen to. YouTube, I'm sure. YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, that's probably a good one I should mention. Can I, can I introduce this? Absolutely. I can feel like it, because I just love the name of the band. So uh, here's Ethel Shank with Sweater Weather.
The new single there by Ethel Shank, and it's Sweater Weather. You know, um, I, I asked you, so that's written, recorded, produced, and distributed by you guys. It's all DIY. Yeah, I mean, written originally by the neighborhood, yeah, but right. we redid it. We, it's, <laughs> so what, it's, a re, I, it's hard to brand something like that. Yeah. Dominic did a lot of it if he wants to say anything on it. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I just um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> threw together uh, an arrangement of it, um, the original songs and a different time signature, and we just kind of wanted to mess with it, give it a little bit of a swing. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's a, what I'm going with that is like a DIY. I mean, you're doing, again, when you talk to your peer groups and stuff, is this the way people are getting music out now? I mean, is it, you're just, you're totally on board. I mean, do you, you, uh, you book your own shows. I mean, how, how much of how much work do you put into this? All of it. All yeah, right. Work. Uh, yeah, I mean, we email every single venue, every single band that plays with us. We record all our own music. We produce all our own music. And it's actually uh, interesting, our recording process, because most of us are all at different colleges. Right. So uh, it was a lot of, like, Dominic sending the guitar tracks. It's like, okay, now i got to send the piano tracks. And it's kind of, it is a lot of work, but it's the only way we know how to do it. (laughs) So, yeah, so um, talk about, how many of you go to Belmont, Nashville? Just Sean. Just Sean? Yeah, it's just me now. And uh, you're studying audio, audio engineering? Yes, that's I'm gonna, correct. Got to turn you up on this. Were you, are you, yeah, I was just a little far from the yeah. Away, Okay, so. yeah. yeah I want to talk to you about that, Sean. Um, so you're in Belmont and Nashville. That's a great music school, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love it down there. Nashville's a great city. Yeah, my brother lives in Nashville. Um, what are some of the things you learned there that you're able to bring to the band back here in Chicago? Um, it really helped out. Uh, we recorded that Sweater Weather cover in Ben's basement, and it was just really nice to know stuff for, like, mic placement and, like, good ways to get different sounds out of, like, what little gear we had to use down there. So, so uh, you all, you're all involved in the music industry. You're learning about the music industry in, in school, right? Yeah. Everybody. All, all somewhat music majors. We have, like, three music Some. majors, two audio engineering. Ben's kind of a little bit of both. Yeah. And Ben, are you back on the mic here? Yeah. So you're, are you studying? What are you studying at DePaul? I'm studying sound technology, but the difference between Belmont and DePaul is that at DePaul, it's in the music school. So I also take like music theory classes and all that. Whereas at uh, Belmont, it's actually in the music business school. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 Mike Curb was he? I think yeah. Mike Curb's a big donor there down it's there. It's the Mike Curb oh, College of yeah. Business. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Ha- like half of the buildings down there or something are yeah. named after him. It's kind yeah. of crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's got. It's, I, I know Belmont's got great. Don't they have a pretty good basketball team too? They do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna take a break. Uh, you got a couple more songs for us? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I've got some more questions for you. So don't go. I really appreciate you bringing all the gear in. After the break, we'll reintroduce everybody. But man, that was that's really impressive. Thanks so, for having us. Yeah. Okay, okay we're going to be back uh, after this with more Ethel Shank on WGN. Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal on WGN, and we're privileged to have Ethel Shank in the studio. The band, not not the woman there. All <laughs> All State Skyline Studio. How you guys doing? Fantastic. You having fun? Yes. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's Ben Russell. Ben, introduce the band for everybody. All right. Um, and talk about all that. I mean, again, I keep talking about this gear, but people can watch online, but t- talk about what all you're playing. So Trevor's got... I've got a uh, Williams Legato full-size keyboard. <laughs> Very detailed. Just tell... There go. Uh, snare floor tom and crash cymbal as well. So keyboard and aux percussion. Sean on the bass. <laughs> yeah, Sean Swanson. Yeah, I just got Sean the bass Swanson. in the end. Yeah, that's okay. Nice and simple, amp. not too much to carry. Okay. 
I've got the my amp. guitar, pedal board, amp brought up here. Okay. And uh, got this awesome, kind of <laughs> kind of newish Ludwig drum set. Back That's right. Ryan, right? Ryan, yeah. got it? Yep. <laughs> How you doing, Ryan? I'm good. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I'm Dominic, and I have guitar, pedal board, amp, and lots of cables. So <laughs> thank you for bringing, bringing all that in. Absolutely. Uh, parked in a pleasure. parking garage, which is really dumb. Uh, yeah. So far. <laughs> There's a lot going on downtown tonight. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Blues, blues Fest. Blues Fest, that. right. So talk about the song. Why don't you set up the song? Talk what it's about. All right. So this one is also off of our last EP. It's called Life Was Better. This whole EP is a story of me and another person. <laughs> um, and I'll just let the song speak for itself. Okay, I might have questions after that. Absolutely. Okay. All right. <laughs>
Rockin' the Airwaves, that's Ethel Shank. That may be my favorite song Thank that you've you. done tonight. Appreciate it. You, you know, uh, Adam Phillips had a little Steppenwolf uh, chucka 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 thing. <laughs> it, was, it was getting out. I, I want to kind of deconstruct that. So, Ben, are you there? Yeah. So, um, talk about how that song come together. I mean, did you write it from a riff? Um, and then, I, since we talked a little about the dynamics of the band, how does the rest of the band... So, let's deconstruct that one song. How did it start? How did you write it? How did you share it with the band? Talk it from the beginning to the end. Almost all of the songs that we do start with riffs, yeah. I guess. But, you know, a lot of the songs kind of have like a one main songwriter. So Trevor's been working on this new one called Heavy We're Gonna Do. Dominic kind of took the helm on Sweater Weather. I did a lot of Life Was Better. So I came up with that riff and then, you know, felt the melody, kind of just fit the lyrics in there and then just built everything kind of around that with everyone else's input and just figuring things out, yeah. you know? It's it's real fun because, uh, you know, whoever's working on a tune, like, like Ben will bring in a song, this one for example, and uh, he'll kind of give us the skeleton and we all get to kind of add a bit of our own flavor it's real cool working with everybody in the other segment how much of the recording do you do live and how much of it do you do you send stuff to each other and what are the benefits and drawbacks of each of those processes well the last ep we actually recorded at a studio called sound summit so that was you know everybody kind of coming in and recording their bit and whatever and you know there was everything was mixed there but then sweater weather is the first thing we've actually done where we just decided you know what we've got producers we've got mics we've got the setup let's just do this ourselves and then so that's really i've been our first experience with figuring out what's going to be shipped off and sent around and all that stuff and talk about um uh upcoming gigs where people can can see you and also throw out the website where people can find your product absolutely so uh closest gigs around the area june 21st in milwaukee we're playing shank hall which is very fitting um, we're, <laughs> playing, right, right. <laughs> we're playing Iowa City, like you mentioned, June 23rd. Uh, we are also playing in Chicago June 29th at Cubby Bear. Uh, more details to come on that very soon. Uh, yeah. So this is like your first first big outing as a, as a band. A tour, for sure, right? We did a small tour last, last summer. Last summer. Like yeah. about no, four, four or five days. Yeah. Trevor? Yes. You're at University of Iowa? I am, yep. Have you been to George's Buffet? I actually have not. Yet. <laughs> yeah. Great burgers. Sure. Uh, the Iowa Writers Workshop, like Kurt Vonnegut and stuff, used to hang out there and stuff. Oh, nice. It's, it's yeah. like been there since the 30s. So, really How old are you, Trevor? I'm 20. Just so you can't, uh, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, none of us you? can, yeah. Trevor, I'll, I'll sell you a fake ID and you and I can go there. <laughs> oh, Sounds my. like a deal. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, you guys are all, we all went to the same high school at different times. Yes. Naperville Central. Oh, yeah. And that's not really why, I mean, just <laughs> I just met you, Ben, when you came on the show to talk about uh, some some political stuff there. But I was telling you during the news break, um, back when I was at Naperville Central, and I don't know if this is, I want to ask you guys if this is still true, 
Um, there was really a, a definitive sound. I mean, there's a, a, a south side sound. Maybe it would be sticks. You know, there was a sound out of Berwyn that would be Survivor or uh, Ides of March. You know, um, we talked, uh, Adam talked about Cheap Trick being out of Rockford, the shoes about being out of Zion. Does that still exist today? Uh, is there still a regionalism to suburban Chicago music? Uh, you know, this is Ryan here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hi, Ryan. Yeah. I, I think today, I feel like a lot of the suburban kids are kind of hopping on, like, the city of Chicago bandwagon. Um, and I, I mean, I think that's a good thing. You know, you got Twin Peaks, Post Animal, and Grape Tooth, and that kind of gang, you know, hanging around on the north side. And, um, I mean, from my experience, that's kind of what's hot right now. Yeah, I mean, the sound is interesting because it's there's not many bands playing out like there's not a lot of new big bands out inspiring the little bands you know you get a lot of like pop punk and stuff like coming off the green day wave still but you know i mean even three or four years ago i i, I noticed there was a lot more bands out in the suburbs than there is now they're having trouble putting together local shows in the area even now yeah, just nobody, with the amount of bands nobody really comes out to these sort of functions anymore it's hard to amass a crowd well, and even trying to make this group, we had a lot of difficulty finding a bassist. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. Sean is originally a guitar player. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like, last summer, Ben just kind of hit me up. He was like, hey, man, you want to go on tour for four days? And I was like, sure. And he was like, great, learn bass. <laughs> yeah. Here I am. And now yeah. he owns a bass. It's crazy. Well, that's <laughs> interesting. We've asked other bands that on the show. I mean, what is the process of trying trying to get gigs? And I mean, I know in LA it's pay to play. I mean, I, you know how. We you know, and that's why. Play. And that's another thing about. Yeah, and I'll, I'll let you go. But that's <laughs> another thing is like you know you got to do product. You got to. That's how you sustain yourself. Is like even the big bands do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I. It's. You know, at this stage in the game for us, we're kind of like our own. You know, marketing team. It's a lot of the work we do is. You know, it's more administrative work than it is even making music so it's like you know you send 30 emails out and hope to get you know one back and um you know eventually someone will bite and that's how we get gigs yeah our our process really boils down to ask and see if they say yes and we've been (laughs) lucky enough to have a lot of people saying yes recently yeah i mean we don't really play shows in the suburbs anymore either like it's so much easier to get people to come out if you've got city shows with city bands you know it's we've been doing a lot more of that than playing out in naperville or wherever what about festivals? Do you do festivals? We have done a festival. <laughs> I'd love to if anyone wants to. Yeah. Yeah. Feel yeah. free. If you are a festival organizer listening to this program, our so, number is... You don't, uh, you don't do rib fest. Uh, we, we did, did rib, rib fest, fest once. Yeah. one time. Did you really? yeah, They're leaving them. Naperville, right? They're going to... They're going to Aurora. Aurora? Or Romeoville? Or Aurora? This is news Aurora, to me. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of oh, yeah. They're putting in a softball field where rib fest goes. <laughs> oh, it's a good thing. Yeah. It's a good thing. Well, Billy Idol's at rib fest, rib fest this year. Yeah. I we'll think. be on tour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to take Canada. a break. We're in Canada on, on that. <laughs> you got one more song, right? Absolutely. I'm going to come in and say hi to you. Make sure you're doing okay. And then we're going to take a break. And we'll be back with more FL Shank on WGN. Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal on WGN. You guys okay there? Absolutely. Ethel Shank. So um, introduce the band one more time. Just the names of everybody there, Ben. I am Ben, Trevor, Dominic, Ryan, Sean. Ryan and Sean, if you didn't hear that, those last two. And give us the website, how people can find uh, Ethel Shank uh, material. Easiest way is Facebook, search Ethel Shank. Instagram, search Ethel Shank. We do updates all the time on there. Um, we should have a website coming up pretty soon where you could buy tickets to our shows that are also yes. coming up soon. And how much? You got an EP? Is there, is there any other stuff you got that people... We have an EP that came out last summer, and we have a so single that dropped yesterday. 
And you've only been you've been prolific then. You've uh, what a year and a half you've been together. Uh, we started playing together er, late 2017. So yeah, about a year yeah. and a half that this group's been jamming. Oh, we should be having uh, more singles coming out soon too. So uh, stay up to date with us. Yes, I just think it's a compelling story because um, you guys are, are are still young, and but I just like the fact you've got all this music background that you're you're putting into this. Mm -hmm. You know. I mean, you all, you're all, are you all involved in music at, at school? Oh, yeah. Everybody yeah, is. Yeah, we're uh, somewhere or another, we're all involved. Yeah. <laughs> Dominic, are you a performance major? Yeah, I, um, I'm actually uh, switching majors. I came in uh, to Lawrence University in Appleton, Wisconsin this year um, doing a double degree program, uh, music and psychology. Uh, but this next year, I'll be switching to a new program. Uh, it's called the the BMA program, and it's it's a mix of you know music performance and and uh, audio production and marketing yourself as a musician. So I'm excited for that too. That's fun. And uh, and Ben, you do is it, what all do you do at Paul? I think we got off that before. But it's, uh, sound technology, but it's in the music uh, school, the school of music. So I get to kind of go in with my instrument and take lessons and do classes in theory and all that stuff. But it's also mainly like an audio engineering major. It's fascinating. Okay, well, uh, why don't you set up this song? I want to thank you all for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. You can stretch it a little bit. Um, and um, so set up the song. I want to thank. Um, Adam Phillips for the engineering and and uh, Ro Coleman for the production and you played this before on the show right yeah when I was on here last time I did it acoustically it was on an EP that we dropped like before we even started playing shows together but we took it off we felt it wasn't our best work but we're kind of reworking some of the songs so this is a version that actually hasn't been played live before we've been working on it and what's it called Sinatra and what's it talk talk just a little you got about a minute here for the backstory talk a little bit about All right, it so it was kind of just one of those angsty songs <laughs> where it was kind of like it was before I left for college I was like ah I gotta get out of here so it's about not feeling like you're where you're supposed to be. Okay. So thank you for listening, and thanks for coming in, you guys. Thanks, Dave. Thanks okay. to everyone. Thanks to all these guys back here in the band. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Okay. This is Sinatra from Ethel Shang. <laughs>
Thank you. That's Ethel Shank. We got it. We got about another minute or two to kill. So, uh, all right. So, so what? <laughs> so, uh, what was it like to take that from acoustics to what what you just heard? So, actually, the acoustic came from that. We started with that, and then I had to try to make it acoustic, and it was very boring to me. But I really like this new version we've been working on. Everyone kind of came with some new ideas, and we just revamped it. Just add a lot more layers to that one. Are you writing Are you writing new stuff now? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. We're actually be, uh, premiering a lot of it on tour. Not a lot, but a couple songs. We're hoping to drop a single during tour that Trevor's been working really hard on. Do you, um, what about like, you know, we talked about getting music out and, and touring, but what about like radio airplay or even like something like WONC in Naperville? Do they have like a local thing? Sometimes, uh, like college stations around the country have had a couple that have played us. Yeah, we've gotten notification. Down South seems to be played on a couple college radio stations. We got one, I think the weirdest one was like Rutgers yeah. emailed us that Down South got played. But we've done, you know, we've demo 312 on WKQX and stuff. Um, but other than that, it's kind of hard to figure out what radio stations, you know, you got to go through and what are the best ones to, you know, try to get your stuff played on. I think the obvious answer is that WGN is the best. WGN well, yeah. <laughs> We're breaking new ground here. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's getting, uh, getting here. And people can, uh, you know, listen to you on the podcast of the show that'll be out soon and stuff. What about, you know, this will be the last question, um, musical influences and stuff. I mean, wh- where do you hear the music? Uh, do you hear stuff you like on radio? Um, where, do you, where do you get your ideas from? You know, I find a lot of inspiration from kind of like a newer, a little more underground rock scene that seems to be kind of taken from a lot of like the grunge stuff of the 90s, bands like Highly Suspect and Cleopatric and a band that we actually have the privilege of playing with in Toronto, Ready the Prince, that's actually been kind of a huge inspiration to us. And I don't we, know about the other guys. We also have like a pretty wide range, like on the car ride up, we're listening <laughs> to people like Thundercat and J.I.D. the rapper, so... Kamazi Washington. Yeah, so we're kind of all over the place and like to take a little bit from each different genre, each different artist. And is it all online? Where do you, where do you find the songs? Mostly streaming. I yeah, think. right. It's yeah. just the easiest way to do it now. It's kind of the only way. Do you go to do you go to like when you're on tour or you're wandering around? Do you go to old record stores and check oh, out yeah, stuff? Is vinyl back for you? Stores, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah well, I think we all. Have record players. I don't. Yeah, not John. Not, okay, I lied. I, a little ben has a record player. <laughs> you have a record player? Shut up. I have one. I don't have my dorm. Yeah. At home, yeah. It's like it's a great little, you know, there's not a bad, it's a, not a bad little record store over there, but I don't know if you've been over there. I don't know, I can't remember the name of it, but by the train station in Naperville. You can oh, get, yeah. You can get vinyl. Oh, yeah, Purple Dog. Purple yeah. Dog, yeah. I love Purple Dog, yeah. It's like I'm going back to my youth. I walk in there and uh, there's incense. Yeah. <laughs> they have incense going, but you can get like vinyl in, in pretty good shape for like five bucks in there. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Yeah, that's a good place. Well, I wish you guys all the luck in the world. It's, 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 it's right. really great to, to see a band and hear a band in, a, in kind of an embryonic stage, and you got a lot of stuff ahead of you so it's it's gonna be we should check in down the road i would love to do that thank you okay uh shout out everybody one more time and i'll say goodbye again i'm ben i'm trevor i'm dominic i'm ryan i'm shaw and we are ethel shank love you guys thanks a lot for coming in and thanks again roll coleman and thanks uh for the engineering uh, adam phillips and uh, we'll see you next week on wgn's nocturnal journal